got a few for you tonight. So uh, the first one is someone with, uh, they've been diagnosed with macular degeneration. And I see that you're younger than the normal person who would get diagnosed with this. And they're telling you it's genetic. Um, I just want to tell you that's someone else's opinion, so don't make it your belief. Uh, and I just pictured God's healing love uh, really soothing your eyes and actually just totally reconstructing them. And I just saw myself seeing through your eyes perfectly. And then I, I see someone, and I just want to highlight here, God cares about little stuff, right? I want someone who has recently lost their dog, and they're really struggling. And I just pictured you surrounded with peace and, you know, comfort, and you haven't had that in a while. And I pictured you coming into ownership of a couple of dogs who need a new home, and I see that you're just energized and excited to take care of them. And I saw specifically you three going for a hike. And then uh, lastly... I've, I've had this for a couple weeks now. I just get the impression there's a lot of fear going around about events in the world and just things in general. And I pictured all of us kind of like walking together and fear falling off of us like big chunks of concrete falling off of people. And so I'm just seeing that spread around the world for everyone. So thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Ashley. Appreciate what you do. And we'll share... Uh, I was, I was going to save this for some other really cool healing testimonies for next week, but I'll share since we're on the animal thing. So a lot of you guys know my friend Jay Owenhouse. I know Stephen Kath know him. We've, uh, he's, he's the guy that's doing the, um, the show on the strip in Vegas with live tigers. And so he had sent us, when was this? So this was, um, and everything's walk. It's, it's actually better than it was, even though everything's delayed a year. And so they're, they're getting this beautiful place right on the strip. And so this was... March 24. <clears throat> so his, uh, his white tiger Shekinah, he said, um, he'd sent it to us and said, uh, Hey, we, we have an urgent prayer request. Um, my Royal white tiger Shekinah got very sick today and the medical team say it's kidney failure. She's not in a good place. Can you please pray? So, uh, the next day, 8 45 AM, he says, praise God. Good news. By this afternoon, she's back awake, energetic, playing with her sister tigers, feeling so much better. Uh, it truly is a miracle. She literally came back from a very dark place within 24 hours and so sweet with my other two tigers. So that's, I just want to do the animal one after you said that. Isn't that cool? That's just fun. He cares about all that stuff. So, and then can we just show the, the first picture versus the, the title slide real quick? So I just want to thank all you guys online and everybody here. I shared a couple weeks ago... Um, our friend Debbie in Bangkok helps with these uh, Pakistani, they're Christian refugees in, in Thailand. And, uh, and she had said, hey, is there any way that Inspire 100 could help? There was, um, uh, I don't understand all the terms. You, some of you guys know them, but somehow Thailand's not part of some treaty. So the, the refugees there don't get treated like refugees, like the government doesn't take care of them. And so, um, and there's a bunch of people that have been widowed. One was, uh, he fell off a construction site, the husband, and, and died. And, and like, it was going to cost a lot of money to do the funeral and send the body back to Pakistan. I said, okay, can you do that? And there's another family with this other woman with five kids right before uh, Christmas died. And, and like, is anyway Inspire would help? And you guys helped in a big way. So I want to show you a couple of things, which is really cool. So anyway, um, so what happened was really fun. She told me that the the husband with the funeral costs and everything, an NGO actually took care of it. So she goes, but what's cool about that is we were able to help five different widows pay for almost all of their 
rents for this whole year so they can figure out jobs for themselves, etc., and take care of the kids. And um, But here's, here's the coolest part about it to me with Inspire, because if we just give them money, we haven't taught them anything, which is compassionate. We should do it, right? But what's really cool about this is now through the network is she's, she's met the, the head of the, um, the refugee agency, etc. And so between her and some of you guys have heard Paul, he speaks Urdu and Aramaic. And he's Christian that went left Iran and went to Iraq. So he says he's seen himself here in Colorado Springs. So you can see that with him. He's like, I want to be here because you, you, you speak the Bible how we look at it through Eastern eyes. And so uh, anyway, um, they're going to do 10-minute services for these guys in Urdu that come out of here. Isn't that cool? I just think that, that's the coolest stuff to me because what they're going to do is they'll pray and you're going to see the miraculous and everything going on. But more importantly, we teach them, like I love what Debbie's attitude, she goes, we teach them they're not victims because they have the tr- traditional mindset of Christianity. Like I've done, I, I, I did all this for you, God, and why is my life like this, right? So they're like, where's God? Looking for God outside and go, you're not a victim. So we, we can really teach them who they are they don't ever have to be in that situation again. They can freely receive, which is cool. So these are two of the ladies. If we go to the next uh, slide, um, here's two of the other widows. And then uh, the next one kind of blew me away. That got me hungry looking at it. Like, that's some serious food, isn't it? And so they distributed food throughout the whole, with all the refugees, etc. And this is all really cool, and I thank you for that. So I, I said, if you guys want to give, um, I rarely ask people to give. You guys know, like, I forget, like, I forget. So, but this is fun stuff to me. So if you want to give, you can either just go to freedomministries.org and put inspire in the, in the memo. Or if you want to do it monthly, you can go to inspire100.org, inspire100.org and give monthly. Um, so I said, I, I want to do the same amount if we can in this month and next, just to take care of all of, at least for a year, just take care of their expenses for a year so they can figure life out. They can get this in them. And anyway, so thank all of you guys. This is fun stuff to me. But I'm really excited about the 10-minute services in Urdu. <laughs> that's, that's really cool to me. So anyway, because, what, what I love about that is uh, when you listen to Paul and some of these, my, my Eastern friends that are jumping on some of the fellowships, they think how we're teaching. They're going, the facts don't mean anything to us. It's meaning. What does it mean? So they, they don't, none of them take the Bible literally. They're going, wow, we all did, right? And so they're going, no, this is how we, what we believe. So it's really been fun for me. So just thank you guys, okay? Except my thank you. Um, just, that's great stuff to me. So, all right. Okay. Hey, uh, I'm excited to share this with you. Um, Easter, what's it all about? Man, have my views radically changed in such a great way, in my opinion. It's like so freeing. I, I can't tell you how many messages that I'm getting online and, and the invites for me to come on different uh, podcasts and everything going, this is the best news I've ever heard. That's exciting to me, not because it's growing so much online, as much as I think there really is this thing where people are like, uh, I had a call this last week, this guy's you know, done missions and different things his whole life, and he goes, the gospel I grew up with doesn't work anymore. It's like failing me. I go, I know, but this one works. This is what's so great about it. And, uh, but here's the message I'm getting. I've never been more free. I've never been more full. I've never been more just excited about life than I am with, with what's going on. And, and so we're going to try share Easter just from a different perspective. So anyway, um, so just keep open ears here, all right? Because this stuff is just beautiful when you get it. It's way better than what we thought. So I would just ask you this. Is, um, 
Does anybody know when, we actually, when Christianity actually started celebrating Easter? And don't yell at me. This is all verifiable stuff. Like, you can go like, <laughs> this is, I was like, don't yell at me. These are your guys that wrote your book that came up with this stuff, okay? So uh, um, it was AD 325, so third century, right? Under the orders of Constantine. And uh, does anybody know why the day doesn't stay fixed? Like, you guys know your birthday? Does it change every year? Or if you had a loved one that dies, does that day change every year? Then I would ask you this. If God himself was in a morgue in Colorado Springs for three days and got up, would the historians know the date? Hello. Right? I think they would. If any, not even God. If, if one of you guys were in a morgue for three days and got up, they would know the date, right? Why does Easter change? It's not a set date. Isn't that weird? You guys know what it was from? So this is AD 325. This is all the known bishops of the world. Here's how they set Easter. Anybody know what Easter is set on? Yeah, it's very pagan, actually. It's like, that's why I don't yell at me, all right? Like, so this is your stuff. This is, I'm just telling you what you should have been taught because it's better once you get it. So here, here's literally what they said, though. Jeez, <laughs> this gets me in trouble. So that's why I go, just please Google it yourself, all right? So AD 325, they said, here's when we're going to celebrate Easter. It's the first full moon in the month of Aries. That's a little weird, isn't it? Like if this is a resurrection of a literal person, we would know the date. So they go, here's where we're going to celebrate it. It's the first, or, or how, they, how they make it a little more tame, they say this. They said, it's the first full moon after the vernal equinox, because they don't want to sound like they're Aries. Uh-oh, right? So, you know, guys know what the vernal equinox is? It's the spring equinox, where the sun, it's equal on the equator, right? So there's equal amount of daylight and sunlight. And so they go, the first full moon, when the sun is equal, and actually start, the darkness starts to leave, and, the, and there's more daylight than, than darkness, that's going to be Easter. That's the day we're going to celebrate the resurrection, because here's what it signified to them is all these seeds that have been in the ground for so long dormant, when that Easter comes, when that sun starts to have more daylight than darkness, all this new life springs forth. Now, these are your guys who came up with that day. Hello, right? And here's what they said. The meaning is more important to us than an actual day, because we want this to be something that happens in every human that they get this revelation within themselves. So let me start with that, all right? Because that's really cool once you actually understand it. It's like, this is pretty cool because what they looked at Easter was is, is yes, so we see the literalness of, of the resurrection, um, but they were more important go, this has to happen in every human being's heart. That's why it's not a set day. So it's symbolic to them that the first full moon, now, does the moon have any day, does the moon have any light in itself? It just reflects what? The sun. So here's their point. It's the first full moon. So the idea was you become a perfect reflection of the sun. When you get revelation and you start getting more day than light, I'm like, that actually makes sense to me. That actually heals my heart, right? So when you don't look at the literalness of it and go, what's the beautiful story in the literalness? So they used literal things. They used 
They use story. They use literal places in Israel and throughout the Middle East to tell an eternal story. We've got it just backwards how we think in, in the West. We're going, this is literal. They go, no, we use literal events to tell an eternal story that happens in your heart. Everybody with me? That's how they wrote it. And when you get it, you don't have to make anything goofy up. You're like, oh, the scriptures fit. It's actually beautiful. So should we get into this? All right. So to me, here's when I, when I really understand this, um, Easter is this beautiful thing. We can go to that first slide. It really is this art of dying. And it sounds weird, but you learn to lay down the life you don't want. And the life, the resurrection power of Christ is in you. Like you can lay down what you don't want. And we'll go through the scriptures to show you this. So we, all these scriptures we're familiar with. So you know, Jesus is there in, in John eleven twenty five, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Ego, I may. And you see ego, I may. I am, I am, I am. I am the door. I am the life. Be still and know that I am God, right? And he's trying to show you that this is quantum to me. This is why it's so exciting where I don't have to go, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't fit with because kind of what was happening for me, I was like, everything that works in lives that I watch and people and even in my own life are things that I just truly believe. And it's not an issue to me. It's effortlessly and it just works. But all of a sudden we throw that away when we, so all of a sudden we Christianize it in everything else. I'm going, no, I think it's all the same. When you actually have a core belief that you actually have a belief in something that just effortlessly happens in your life. And quantum is just really making sense with all this. They're going, nothing appears until you actually look at it. And when you pay attention to it, it becomes real. This, this limitless potential of the spirit becomes tangible. And that's what I think he's saying here. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life. So anyway, I want to just kind of step you through this. So all of you are familiar with this first part. So in the Easter story, we see Christ is crucified, buried, and resurrected where? At Golgotha, right? So Golgotha is the Hebrew name for anybody know? It's up there. It's kind of skull, right? It's also the Calvary. Anybody know what Calvary is? You can look up there. Right? It's Joe Biden with his notes. So <laughs> here's your notes. So, but it means cranium, which should show you that this is, this is something symbolic, that this, has to, this, this, this death and resurrection happens in the hearts and minds of men because all through Scripture we see, very, we see very solid themes all through Scripture. In Genesis we see God, God pushes us out of this place called paradise, not because we've done anything wrong how the Hebrews looked at it. They're going, you came out of perfection. You were birthed out of God himself. And you were landed here in this place called earth, right? We landed in this physical thing. From the beginning, it says God, this mystery that's now been revealed is God himself entered into you, entered into flesh to give you life. So that was the pushed out. But he says, there's a way back into the garden, which was paradise to them, Eden. And he says, between the cherubim and the sword that turns back within itself. It's the crowned man, as I've, I've taught you all that, what they looked at it. So here's where he's going. The way back into paradise, what you were birthed out of, you were birthed out of God. And the way back in, I've preserved a way. It's between the cherubim. Where are your two cherubim? In the cranium. Isn't this fascinating? To me it is. Maybe you're not. But. So they're going, all of this happens within you. So we see this story of Jesus, and the, he goes into the tomb, and, it, and on the third day, he resurrects. But this all happens at Calvary or Golgotha which the imagery there is like, guys, this is happening in you. It has to happen in you. The resurrection life, you have to become aware that Christ is in you. That's the resurrection. When you come, you awake to this idea that God's in me. Oh my gosh, now I've been birthed from above. We call it new birth, right? Everybody with me so far? All right, so, and then we're told the kingdom of God does not come with anything you can see with your physical eyes. It says the king, here's what he says. 
When somebody says it's over there or it's over there or it's going to happen in, in Jerusalem, don't believe them. Right? So when, you, when the guy tomorrow morning is asking for money to pay for the third temple, don't believe him. <laughs> because he says, because the kingdom is where? It's in your heart. It's in your midst. It's within. Doesn't Jesus always say, the God's already given you the kingdom. And then they're going, hey, we're looking for this. He goes, no, I am the resurrection and the life. You are it. It's in you. You can have it right now. So you get all that? So all of this imagery, if you can see it with your physical eyes, should tell you a spiritual story is what I'm trying to get at. We've got it the other way around. The Westerners are like, this is factual, now believe that, and somehow that'll save you. They're going, no, these stories, if you get the spiritual implication behind it, will save your heart. You'll get it spiritually. And now life blows up in you. Everybody okay so far? All right. So the true beauty of the Easter message is this awakening and revelation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So now all the imagery of Bethlehem, everything makes sense. So Bethlehem is the house of bread, right? And we see it in, we celebrate Christmas where Jesus is birthed. And now the imagery, I'm like, oh, cool. That's when we were birthed. So at birth, the seed of God, he entered into us, entered into these grave clothes. He entered into death and it's dormant in there. The seed of Jesus is dormant, but it's there. Amen. That's Bethlehem. We've become the house of bread. We are the tabernacle of God himself. We are Bethlehem. And then Calvary, the resurrection is the understanding of, oh my God, he's always been in there and that life, that life of Christ starts to resurrect. The stories all make sense to me and I'm like, praise God, this is, this is actually exciting to me now. So then he says, you know what? What was dead? It's like the, the three things that are in the Ark of the Covenant, which is you and I. It's like, we've got Aaron's rod. It's a dead piece of wood, but springs to life from within. That's within you. That's Christ within you. Amen? And so anyway, so when we get this is what was dead, anything that's dead, when you understand the resurrection power of Christ within you, you can make it come alive. Everybody with me? All right, so let's go to this next slide. So anyway, um, so let's start with Good Friday, right? It's basically, basically Thursday night, you know, the Hebrews, because once you went past the evening sacrifice, the next day started. So Thursday night is dark. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, some of you Christians, you're going to blush at this. The Hebrews get this. Like, you might blush. So, so if you were on Thursday night, we went, we went at it. It was full on um, exciting. <laughs> so we'll put it that way. But Gethsemane. So we see the way back into the garden is between the cherubim. And then he tells us the parable of parables. If you don't understand this story, you will not understand any story. Don't we see that in Scripture? So if you really want to make the, the Scripture simple, make the parable of parables about every story. Where does this story fit? All right? Now what's the parable of parables? He, so the, the disciples are confused. They're like, I don't understand this, whatever. It's like, all right, you slow people. So let me tell you what it means. He goes, your heart is the soil, and you get to choose whatever you want to plant there. And that's the kingdom within. But you get to choose whatever seed you want to plant. And whatever you plant in your heart, you will receive. We know not how. That's the mystery of it because the mystery is in the seed. It's the miracle working power of Christ in you. But whatever you plant there will return. You just go to bed. No effort on your own. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn. But you will receive whatever you plant in your heart. If you don't understand that parable, you're going to miss all the stories. So I'm excited to share the Easter with you with that story because it makes sense. So all right. So they go to a garden. They go to the garden. So we get this garden stuff. You see the garden all through scripture. It's everywhere right? The garden, the soil, the seed, it's everywhere. So 
The way back into paradise is in the garden. So Jesus on the Good Friday goes to the garden, Gethsemane. Now Geth, whew, this is where it starts to get a little sweaty for some of you guys. Geth means to press out. Shemen is oily, fatty substance, cream, or fertility. Now, <laughs> this is a story about creation in the Garden of Gethsemane. Geth Shemen. The Latin word is, anybody guess? Semen or seed. So Jesus goes to this garden where he presses out an oily, creamy seed of fertility. Hello. <laughs> Just wait, it gets better. So anyway, so that's why like, all you Christians are going to blush. The Hebrews are going, no, totally, yeah, yeah, you guys know. <laughs> all the stories of creation are very phallic, if you understand it, if you go look at it. Like even the, the, the story of the creation of the earth says, the waters were hovering above and then the waters below got excited and started to rise and then life came out. Like, uh-oh. They knew what it was about, right? So they're going, if you understand this physical story, you're going to understand the power of the seed in your heart. So that's what it's all about. But you guys understand, this, this, is, this is like seventh grade for some of you guys. Like you're, who, who taught your sex ed? Your gym teacher? No? Health? Oh, I was like our gym teacher. I remember going, really? God, this is a little weird, but anyway. So <laughs> maybe some of you guys enjoyed it. I thought it was a little corny. So, all right. Jesus comes in, Judas comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's dark. What does darkness mean? It's, it's the same story all through Scripture. Darkness means I can't see or without revelation. Just like Nicodemus comes to Jesus when? In the dark. He doesn't understand the Scriptures. Judas comes in the darkness, meaning he doesn't have revelation. And here's where, what he asks. He says, where is Jesus? The people are going, where is Jesus? Now, if you understand what Jesus means, is he's, here's what he's asking. Where is salvation? Where can I find this mystery of life? Where can I find health? Where can I find abundance? Where can I find the thing that actually saves me? And he hears, I am he. Now, they're not expecting that. It's within you is what he's saying. You are it. You, you'll find everything you need within you. And then the story says they all fall down in astonishment like they didn't believe it. So they ask it again. Like, no, no, I don't think you understood. Where's Jesus? I've told you, I am he. Now get on with the program, right? And then we see, we see the response is the same. It says, I've already told you, I am he. So Judas betrays. Now we see Judas as bad. I'm going to show you, this is actually really cool if you understand this. So if you take it literally, you're going to mess it up. Judas, he calls his friend. Anybody know what Judah means? Yada. Praise God. It means praising God. Amen. So praising God comes in darkness, doesn't understand the scriptures. And we see betrayed. We see the word betrayed. But if you go look it up in, in the Greek, in Strong's, it'll say to reveal a secret. You reveal a secret about somebody. So Judas betrays, which means to reveal a secret of where Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Where's salvation? That was the question. And Judas reveals the secret. It's in you. He reveals Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery that's been hidden for ages is now in you. And then it says he repents. And then he hangs himself on a tree. What's this all about? What's the tree always in scripture? You and I. It's humanity. It's the two wooden sticks, right? With the oaks of righteousness, the trees. The, we're always the tree. The wood is always humanity all through scripture. So let me, let me tell you what this means, actually. So, Jesus, so the question is, where can I find salvation? Where's salvation? He goes, it's in you. I, you are it. I am he. 
Amen? I am he. And they're blown away. They're like, wait a minute. So he repents, meaning like, oh my gosh, you mean I'm the cause of all of this. It's not God outside of me. It's my own heart that's causing all these issues. So he repents of all the things he's done. Is what he says like, oh my God, I've taken the power of Christ and done the wrong thing with it. I repent of that. Then Jesus says something really interesting. He says, now that you've found me, let everything else go. Let all the others go, but do not let me go. And whatever you have to do to do quickly. And then he says, he repented and then he hung himself on a tree. What does that mean? He says, I literally became, well, let me share this. It says, he betrayed Jesus. He found out where Jesus was. So he revealed the secret of Jesus for what? What was the reward? 30 pieces of silver. Martin was asking me this before. I've trained my mind to, not, my mind to now go, this, all the stories are good because all, they have to be good. We, we're, we're so sin conscious and devil conscious and all these things that we've read all these stories incorrectly where there are these beautiful stories of, of life and resurrection. So your mind should immediately start going, what does 30 mean in Hebrew? Because you're going to see the numbers repeated over and over and over. One, two, three. You're going to see five, which is grace, or literally what I see becomes, that's quantum, it's actually beautiful. You're going to see 20 a lot. You're going to see 30 a lot. You're going to see 40 a lot. You're going to see 120 a lot. It's always the same, 12 a lot. It's always the same numbers over and over and over. Three days, right? <clears throat> 30 is the, the Hebrew letter lamed. It means to be led. Anybody know what silver is always symbolic of in scripture? Is redemption. I'm worthy. And it's and also symbolic of perfect sight. Like you, if you see stainless silver, it shines and you can see yourself, right? Like, oh my gosh, I see myself. I'm hanging myself on the tree. I'm the one. Like, oh my gosh. So I immediately died to my old self. I don't want to be that anymore. And I immediately hung myself, the person I wanted to be, on the tree. I became what I wanted to be by simply seeing silver. Seeing I was worthy and what I see becomes me. It's so good once you start getting it. So um, we're told that Jesus repents what he has done and he hangs himself on the tree. So now let's, let's keep going because um, there's a game on tonight. If you knew that. <laughs> Who you got? UCLA, Gonzaga, who's in? I kind of hope UCLA, but I, I think Gonzaga. I would just love to see a good game. So we'll get to the second half, right? Yeah, if all of us basketball nuts, like we love it, right? Baylor just throttled Houston today. Like that was just ugly. So, all right. Luke twenty-two forty-one. I'm going to read it uh, first how you've been read, how, how most of you guys have read it. And it'll bring death. <laughs> it'll kill you if you take it literally, right? So here's Luke 22. So this is the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the Garden of Intimacy, literally, where, where you, it, you press out a milky, uh, creamy substance of fertility. I don't know what that is, but some of you guys might. So after we did this Thursday, most of the men was like, I love Easter. This is the most exciting holiday of the world. <laughs> but you think about it, if, if, a, if a husband and wife get together and create they're giving them imagery. They're going, this is how your heart works. You get excited. You're full of this oil of gladness. You're so full of this joy that you give life to what's in you. The seed returns after it's, it's kind, right? So anyway, let me, so here Jesus goes. He withdrew about a stone's throw behind them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, I'm really in a tough spot. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, because I'm so humble, but yours. Isn't that how we've read it? Yet yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, how many of you guys have been in anguish 
when you're intimate with your spouse or anybody. This sucks so bad. Lord, take this away from me. We're missing the whole point. I'll show you once we get into it. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat like drops of blood falling to the ground. All right, now, this is what I asked Thursday night. Does Jesus know how to pray? Kind of, I would think, right? Would he forget everything he's ever taught us how to pray and just go, I don't understand any of that more. I'm panicking and praying. So why are we reading this like that through that lens, right? See, I think he prayed how he taught us to pray. Everybody okay with that? And how did he teach us to pray? All the prayer verses, just remind you again. So if we really believe that Jesus probably knew how to pray and he probably prayed how he taught everybody else to pray, then this is a prayer how he prayed. So when he prayed to the Father, he knew he was going to receive whatever he wanted. There was no doubt. There was no begging God for something. It was always praise and glorifying him because he knew he would receive so that he would be crammed full, replete, filled over where it's oozing out of him joy. That sounds a little different like, oh, please, Lord, take this cup from me because I'm in such anguish, doesn't it? Take this intimacy away from me. It's so bad. Follow me? Is everybody okay with what I'm sharing right now? See, these are like thought processes. If we actually thought versus what we were just fed, this actually becomes really beautiful. So it was never, see, I can't imagine, is God one with the Father? Is Jesus one with the Father? Right? I, I think he knows all things, Right? The eternal spirit, the spirit knows all things. So I can't see him. I don't think this picture is about him begging God for him to take something away, but he's so humble. He says, but if it's your will, then I guess so, Lord. But if you can take it away, I think he's praying how he taught us to pray. Father, this is so exciting. Thank you, Father. I'm, I'm overflowing with joy because I know you answer every one of my prayers. Praise God. Everybody with me? Now, if we didn't have such a sin consciousness, we would probably read it that way, but we're like, he's in anguish and oh my gosh, right? And then you got to start, where, what about the parable of parables? He said, every story that Jesus talks in, he talks in this story. If you go look, it's even in red letters in some of your Bible. So you know it's true, <laughs> right? So where does that come? Do we just throw all that out? Or do we throw out, here's the way back into paradise. Here's the garden. It's between you. It's in your cranium. It's between the cherubim. So what about returning back into your original identity? So I read it first how, how you guys have been taught. He withdrew by the stone throw away. Beyond them knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, this sucks so bad. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, Lord, because I'm so humble. I'm laying down my life. And this is where people lay down their life. They're, they're like, you know, I, I told you this. There's this, this group here in town, and they're, they're the remnant. <laughs> they think they're, I don't know. I should, probably shouldn't say that. I don't know if they call themselves that physically, but they're like, we're the remnant. Like, you guys? And it's like, we got to lay down everything. I'm like, you drove your BMW here. What are you talking about? Like, it's such hypocrisy to me. I'm like, no, you guys just, I'm done with you. So that's not what it's about. It's laying down the life you don't like so you can enjoy life and life more abundantly because that's what he came to give us. Amen? It's not about, I'm going to fast so I can't eat golden flame wings. That would be hell to me. Like, you want to give me hell? Hell, that's enough. That, going to hell would be better to me. Like, that sounds way better. Anyway. So I think they get to eat stuff and do things, and right? Because you say, if you do all these things, then you're going to hell. I'm like, God, that sounds more fun than heaven, actually, how I was taught. <laughs> sounds like more fun there. Anyway, and some of you guys do too. You just don't dare tell the truth. So anyway, 
Are you with me? Now you want to read it in, in Greek? Woo, go to this next slide. All right, boys and girls. Where did he go? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the Garden of Intimacy, where a creamy white substance comes out of him because he's so excited. It's a, it's a story of creation. All right. So he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. Do you think it's really about a guy throwing a stone? Why do these things are in there? Everything, makes, everything means something. If you go look up the, the Greek word yada, it means to praise, to praise God, which is Judah. And it also means to throw a stone. Where they're so, It's like casting out where they're so excited with praise, they're throwing a stone. That's the imagery for them. They're, they're throwing out their hands in praise. A stone's throw away as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and prays. Away from them because Jesus says, and I, I don't even think he was away from them. Here's what it says. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Go within. Go into your closet. He's going, nobody can see what I'm doing inside here, but I'm praising God. Everybody with me so far? Because I think he prays how he teaches us to pray. So I think he's there and he's, he's, he's going, you know what? I went away from them in praise, meaning they don't know what I'm doing inside because I know the Father hears everything I do in here. And what I, what I do in secret will be revealed for all to see externally. So yada, the stone's throw is literally praise. I'm going down and prayed. And he knelt down and prayed. If you go look up knelt down, I couldn't do them all. But knelt down literally means he established himself. He fixed himself. I'm in praise because this is how it's going to be. He determined this is what I'm praying. Just like Jacob. Father, I am wrestling with this message, but this is, I know on the external it doesn't look like this, but I'm knelt down, I'm fixed, I'm on this, I'm doing this until my prayer comes about. And then he became Jacob to Israel, the man who rules as God. So anyway, saying, Father, if. Now, if we say if, that sounds, this is where you guys get mixed up in prayer. Lord, if it's your will. As if he, that violates every other prayer verse, does it not? Because every other prayer verse is goes, whatever you want, you get. But then suddenly Jesus forgets all that and he goes, this is your will, Lord, do it. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think he's going, if you go look at if, I know we're getting really technical here, but you have to because if, if you read it, how we're taught in English, it's really bad actually. It's like, I don't know if God's going to answer my prayer or not, Right? Because if we read it literally in English, it's, we see this. Like, Lord, I don't want this, but if this is your will, I'm willing to suck it up. Isn't that how we're taught? Now, is that a good way for my wife or kids to live? Like, I know this isn't your will, just suck it up. Now, we do that as parents sometimes because we're like, just suck it up, man. Right? But if that was my constant prayer with my wife, I can't imagine I'd ever go to Gethsemane again. That's the, probably the problem. That's the issue, right? So Easter would not be my favorite holiday anymore. So anyway, so if you go look it up, literally, you can go do this when you get home tonight. It's, it's 1487, followed by any verb expresses a condition thought of as real to denote assumptions, i.e. viewed as factual for the sake of argument. But, so here, I'm going to read it like this. Father, since this is factual, that your will, don't we see that in 1 John 2? This is... This is what we know. He hears everything we say. And since his will is, we know that he hears everything we ask of him. We have what we've asked of him. Now this prayer verse makes sense, right? Since we know this is your will. Everybody with me? All right. Since we know this, your, this is your will, take this cup. Now, if you go look up cup, it'll say a cup, it'll physical cup. But if I'm handing my wife a cup, do I want her to have the cup or do I want her to have the contents in the cup? Here, sweetie, here's a drink. You didn't put anything in it. No, I wanted to give you my cup. 
See how stupid we are? <laughs> Enjoy. That's a really nice cup. Thank you, sweetie, for thinking of me. This will go great with my popcorn. What's in it? Nothing. I just wanted to give you a cup. <laughs> or if I give you a wine glass, what's the contents of a wine glass? Wine. What was wine to them? The life of the grape. The blood of the grape. The blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel because instead of requiring blood, I became blood. I'm in you. Everybody with me? So he goes, take this content. It actually says contents of the cup too. It'll say a physical cup or what's in the cup. So here's what he's saying. You're a container. You're a cup. You're the tabernacle. So he goes, take what's in me. Follow me? So if a husband and wife are in intimacy, does, does the wife take what's in the man? Yeah, she takes what's in the cup. So take this cup, the contents from within me. Nevertheless, not my will. And if you go look at it, it says, but it's not going to be by my willpower. Because when I plant the seed, prayer says, this isn't, the seed itself has all the power in itself to bring it to pass. You go to sleep. And what he's trying to say is you go to rest. You go into Sabbath. You go into Shabbat. You planted the seed in your heart with joy to the point where you got so filled with the oil of gladness. Now go to sleep. That seed will return. Anyway, I think you guys are following this. But it's all an act of creation when you go read, really dig into it. So take this contents that's from within me, this cup. Nevertheless, it won't be by my willpower, but yours be done. If you go look at be done, it's genomahe, properly to emerge, become transitioning from one point realm or condition to another. Meaning it's not going to be by my willpower, it's power in the seed. That's going to take my desire from one place and bring it to me physically. That's the cough that I've showed you in scripture, and that's hay. That's the grace of God. Whatever I see literally within becomes physical. Are you guys getting this? It's so good to me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. Be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven. Where's heaven? It's within you. Strengthening. <laughs> this is where it started to get funny on the call because I, I would show them every word and they're like, oh my gosh. So strengthening it means invigorates and strengthens the man. All right. And being in agony, it's only used one time ever in scripture. Did Jesus ever tell us to pray in agony? He told us to pray with so much joy that it's literally oozing out of your pores. Amen? So agony, here's what it says. So he got excited about something when it's in himself, and he started to get really strong and invigorated. So he prayed harder. That's what it says. And what does it say? <laughs> oh, boy. Right? And he prayed more earnestly. Well, ag I didn't get to agony. I was, going, I, was, I was getting excited. I was starting to pray more earnestly. So he, he started being in agony. A feminine, I'm, I'm pulling this right out, so you can't say I'm making this up. A feminine noun, the brand of struggle that emphasizes felt pressure in a very intense personal way. I'm strengthening it. I'm really feeling some pressure in a very intense. Sweetie, this is getting personal. So let's pray harder. <laughs> You can't make this up. This is what it says in Scripture. That's why I said some of you Christians are going to really blush here. All right. So he prayed more earnestly. Some of you guys are going, pray harder. <laughs> no, no, no. It's already getting strengthened and invigorated. So earnestly is from 1618. You can go read it. An adjective derived from ek, out of, which intensifies tino, to stretch, which is the root of English terms tension and fully tense, properly to stretch out, Fully because it's completely taut. 
maximum potential without slack because full, it becomes fully extended to its necessary outcome. Come on, guys. Do you see the picture here? This is the act of creation. And he's going, if you understand physical creation, the intimacy, I'm going, I'm bringing, Jesus is going to this garden of intimacy in praise. And he's in such joy. It's such, it's so beautiful to him. It's this act of creation. All right. It's this complete joy. Then his sweat became great like drops of blood. Now I've seen so many Christians go, well, you know, if you get to this point, you're, you can actually drip blood out of your head. I'm like, no, it's figurative. His sweat became like drops of blood. Like. If I say, sweetie, um, no, that's not a good example. <laughs> you all know if I say, no, it's not literal. I said it's like that. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, all right. So when, when see, you got to understand what the blood of Jesus is. The blood of Jesus is this blood of joy. It's literally life oozing out of him. So he's going, it was like every pore in his body was dripping drops of life. And where did they fall in the story? In the Garden of Gethsemane. If you understand the parable of parables, what you do within is like a garden, and it will produce. Amen? You guys with me? It's, an, it's a beautiful story about intimacy. Like, when you go pray, and then he says to the disciples, he comes back, he's like, what are you doing sleeping? If you go look at it, it says, what are you doing laying down? Get up and pray. Get excited. Like me, so you don't fall into temptation. Meaning, he tells Judas, whatever you need to do, whatever problem you need to get out of, do it quickly. You've now found the idea. You've found where salvation is. It's within you. So any part of your life you don't like, get over it already. Do it quickly. Change. That's what he's saying. Plant a new seed. Die to the old belief systems that you've had. Let everything else go, is what he tells Jesus, and hold on to salvation. Everybody with me? That's the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that cool? I think it's cool. Now, Sula Rico, could you just get in? You got to listen to this. You guys know a little bit about this story. You got six kids. <laughs> anyway, life literally is oozing out of him and drops to the ground. So cool, isn't it? All right, now how do we make this practical if we go to this next, uh, this next slide? All right, let's finish this up. Okay, so here's what he's saying. It's like, Judas finds the secret that's been hidden for ages, which is Christ is in me. I am he. Where can I find salvation? Where can I find abundance? Where can I find wholeness? What is this mystery of life all about? Where can I find a life full of joy? And he goes, you're it. It's within you. The mystery that's been hidden for ages is Christ is in you. You are he. I am he. Amen? You guys with me? So I just, in the, in the email and the Facebook post I wrote, let's make this practical. Say somebody's praying for, sorry, I keep doing this. It's like falling off my ear or something. It's getting pulled in my coat. There, that should help. Um, if somebody's searching for help, all right, how do you do this? He says, whatever you do in your heart, whatever you do in your heart and mind of men, that's where you're going to find salvation. That's where you're going to find Jesus. Because if you need health, you can create a picture in your mind of you full of fully vibrant, fully healthy, enjoying life until it becomes very real to you. You picture it and feel the emotion as if it's already real so that you filled with this milky white substance, not literal, the Garden of Gethsemane, but the oil of gladness, where it's almost so part of you, it's like oozing out of you because you're so joyful, because you know you have what you've done within. You guys with me? 
He goes, this is how it works. This is how the, the parable of parables works. This is where you're going to find salvation. So if you needed health, that's, that's where I love, uh, I love Dispenza's story because he, he made it real. And he found this. He found the Garden of Gethsemane is what he did. He found salvation. So some of you guys don't know the story. I'll just shorten it. Well, I won't go through the whole story, but it's like this. Say you were paralyzed, which he was, and he was a doctor, a chiropractor, so he knew all this. And four different uh, really nationally known clinics says, you need this Harrington rod surgery or you'll probably be paralyzed. He goes, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let all else go. Now, everybody has to do this with your own. I'm not a weirdo that says deny medicine or anything like that. Like, that's just goofy to me. Like, that's, don't do stuff like that, guys. Wherever you're at's okay. Does that make sense? But here, the point is this. He knew enough that he's like, you know what? I know if there's a, he, I forget if he calls him God or he's like, there's something that created me that loves me. That's what he actually got, which I, I think is cool. And he goes, if there's this being, this, he uses words Christians aren't comfortable with. Let's just say the Holy Spirit, God like how we know him. He says, if there's a God that loves me enough to create me, I was his idea. He, that, that God also knows how to heal my body. And all he did was pictured himself, he pictured himself fully whole, erect, joying life as if he's already whole, not begging God to heal him. He was seeing himself already whole. Amen? And he goes, all of a sudden, when I got it, when it became real to me, I think it was within nine days, he was up and working in his clinic again. Like, boom, healed. Done. And he goes, I'm going to spend the rest of my life teaching this. That's how I feel about this stuff right now. I'm like, this is so rich to me. Like, I'm going to teach people how to do this stuff. I'm really trying to heal the book for a lot of you guys. Like, it's this beautiful thing. It's actually wonderful when you get it. So in that case, where he's paralyzed, he's going to let the, the, the everything else go. He's going to let the doctor's verdicts go. He's going to go, let what he sees with his physical eyes, which are denying that I'm whole. So I'm going, I'm, a lot of you guys, I, we get these emails, I know Ashley, you do too. It's like, how long do I have to pray? <laughs> no, you've missed it completely. It's like, no, that's not what it's about. That's like going, how long do I have to have intimacy with you? This really sucks. I'm in agony over this. That's, it's, not a, it's not a ritual. It's not something, it's like, you, you, get, you have the, this divine ability to go within and see yourself enjoying everything you want about your life until it becomes joyful. You spend time in it because it's fun. You spend time in your imagination and seeing as if it's fully real until it's so real to you that you've touched it. We'll maybe talk about that next week where Jesus goes, something, who touched me? It's all intimacy again. Who touched me? And it's the talit. It's the, it's the, it's the dangling parts of a man. Like if you go look at it, it's really fascinating. It's like, who touched me? Because life just went out of me. And what's the woman doing? She's going, if I can just touch him, if I can have intimacy with him, I know I'll be healed. What's she really having intimacy with? She's having intimacy with Jesus. But it says, my intimacy, what I really want is I want to be whole. And I'm starting to become intimate with it. It's becoming so real to me, I can feel it. And like, boom, it happens. It's finished. I know it's done. Well, you're still not healed. I know it's done. You guys have all been there. You know it. You don't have to fake it. You won't ask, where have I been? Here's all I want you to do. What, what Dispenza did, he saw Jesus. Not literally Jesus, like the man, he saw salvation, because that was the question. In Dispenza's position where he's got six vertebrae crushed and he's paralyzed, what would be salvation for him? Salvation's the whole package, guys. Salvation is wholeness, joy, abundance, life, the whole thing. It's not getting to heaven. It's you have it. You have shalom. So it's every part of your life works. It's like the best way to describe it to me. So what would be salvation? What would be seeing Jesus for 
this man's in that case. Seeing himself whole. That was, and when he sees himself completely whole and enjoying life and, and going, gosh, I'm so grateful for how my life is and that this being, this God who who's, loves me so much, he's given me this ability to heal myself. He got so full of joy of that, being healed. He was looking at Jesus. He's looking at salvation. Amen? He goes, I'm going to let everything else go. Isn't that what he told Judas? Judas, now that you've found me, where's salvation? So whatever situations in your life, whether it's abundance, whether it's health, whatever, what would, you can create a picture in your mind's eye that would save you from that. Doesn't sound like a lot like quantum physics, like what's going on. Like, I, I, we're not sure how this all works, but we simply see it and feel the oil of gladness. We feel the joy and gratitude as if it's already done and it's working. It's the story of Gethsemane, if you go look at it. It's this beautiful intimacy of what you want becomes so real life comes out of you. You've planted that seed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, what's really cool, if you hold on to that, where you spend your time seeing and feeling as if it's already real, let everything else go. Don't look for it anywhere else. You don't have to put any more effort into it. It'll come to you the best way for you. It'll come. The seed planted in the heart has everything in it to bring the very thing that you've planted in your heart to pass. Not by your willpower, not by my will, Lord, but yours be done. The ability to take it from the spiritual to the physical is what that means. Does that help you guys? Isn't it the best Easter ever when you get it? Now, ladies, participate. Because <laughs> sweetest is this Easter, right? All right, is there anything I miss? You guys get it, I think, don't you? It's pretty cool. When you see and feel what you desire within, it excites you. That's what he's talking about. It becomes real to you. You've touched it. Jesus, like phys- just like physical creation, that's what he's talking about, the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you understand how that works, that's the beauty of prayer. It's the same thing. That's the joy you get to feel. You're so full of this oil of gladness. You're so sure. Your, your heart knows what to do with this stuff, guys. If you spend your time only seeing and feeling what you want versus what you don't want, it'll start to ooze out of you before. It's, it'll just start coming out of you. You become, the life will start mirroring what you're doing within there effortlessly to you. That's salvation, amen? So I hope that helps, guys. God bless. And it wasn't too uh, science or sex ed class, was it? Health class, health class. Guys, this is how the Hebrews wrote. All their stories of creation were phallic. So. <laughs> All right, God bless you guys.